Welcome, listeners, to Season 3, Episode 13 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Callie. And this week, we have a special announcement. We are a finalist in the 2020 Discover Pods Awards this year. Please go to awards.discoverpods.com and vote for Drinking and Screaming in the People's Choice category. We really would like to win this year, and we can't do that without your vote. Voting closes November 6th, so please go to awards.discoverpods.com and vote for Drinking and Screaming in the People's Choice category. I'll also put a link in the show notes, too. (laughs) So this week, we're wrapping up our second annual Halloween Vibes event by watching our Patreon-voted film, Beetlejuice from 1988. The competition was tough, but you voted and the results are in. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be green, green, green. This episode will contain discussion on sexism, misogyny, sexual assault, self-harm, homophobia, and every other dark awful joke that Beetlejuice could make. (laughs) So, warning in advance, if this is something that you don't need to hear today, feel free to skip this episode. So you made the drink this year. This year. This year. I made all the drinks this year. This episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so tired. I did. And uh, in retaliation from uh, the, the titular character... I named this one Maitland Juice. Ha Or however you pronounce the main couple in this movie's last name. I think that's right. Uh, so as you said, it, it is green, but rather than do the like creme de menthe, creme de menthe. Yeah. Creme de menthe. I like how you say that. Mm-hmm. Or um, what was the other one? Sourpuss that we used oh, earlier. Oh yeah, the apple. <laughs> I used color theory. I imagine that the Maitlands like color theory since they're painting their house and also one of them made a bunch of miniatures. Yes. So this works perfect for them. Ha So it's green in the sense that it turned green from the things that I poured into this glass. Mm. And boy, howdy, it, does it look like poison. So it's yellow and blue, which equals green. Mm-mm. I haven't mm. had it yet. That's Ooh. that sounds good. I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna sip it. Hello, hello there. <laughs> that's good. That is wow. That's a sipping drink. That's really quite good. Honestly, with the color too, this would be good at Christmas. This, like if you made this, and then you also made a red version. Uh, well, red's a primary color, so I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, that's that's true. But still, wow, that's- it's sweet. It's very sweet, but not in an overpowering way. Like it's not a shot or like a dessert drink. I like it. The the flavor of one of the c- components kicks in first, which is why I kind of went, because that's all I could taste. But then like everything sort of fought for just equality in this drink. Yeah, it's very well balanced. But what's the I saw you were rummaging through Mad Labs's box. What did you pick? Uh, it has Mad Labs Premium Vodka. Ooh! As well as their Absinthe Bitters, which I have not actually used in anything yet. I'm curious, because Absinthe is just a liquor. So. And you know what they say, Absinthe makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm a fan of this. Yes, I was worried, but the more I drink it, like, it's... It's one of those, like, quote-unquote dangerously good ones. Yeah, you don't know how strong it is. Because I don't... Did you not put anything that's not alcohol? It's pure liquor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So this is definitely not one that you want to drink while on codeine after you twisted your ankle on Friday. Yeah, man. We've had uh, a rough time lately with our move. We're a bit in a a mental health depression state right now. And a lot of bad things have been happening, which is why this episode is late. Also, sorry about that. But it's okay because we got to watch Beetlejuice, which is such a fun movie and not problematic at all. No, the 80s definitely were the best times for comedians (laughs) to just get thrown into a role and do whatever the fuck they want. Yay. So this week we watched Beetlejuice, which premiered on March 30th, 1988. It's directed by Tim Burton, story by Michael McDowell and Larry Wilson, and screenplay written by Michael McDowell and Warren Scarin. With two A's in there, so I don't know what that means. Yes. Starring Gina Davis as lovingly dead wife Barbara, Alec Baldwin as lovingly dead husband Adam, and Michael Keaton as the awful people exerciser Beetlejuice. 
This synopsis is by FMJ underscore Joker on IMDb. Thank you. This is the story of Adam and Barbara who live in a beautiful house in New England. One day while driving home, they are involved in a terrible auto accident. They manage to walk home only to discover later that they have died and now haunt their house. When their house is purchased by an out-of-state family, they feel their home is threatened by the over-the-top artist wife and real estate idea man husband. Their only relief is the gothic daughter of the family, Lydia. Their attempts at scaring the family out of the house are ignored or laughed at. Finally, they fall to the temptation of using the people exerciser Beetlejuice. When they find his tactics too dangerous, they attempt to contain him and save the family they were trying to boot. So that's pretty good. There's only really the ending that you need to explain, which is that Lydia has become more and more depressed. How on theme with us right now, living with her parents who can't be bothered to get to know her and are just trying to make money off the ghosts. But luckily, Barbara and Adam are there for her. Unluckily, Otho has stolen the handbook for the recently deceased and misuses it to call forth Adam and Barbara during a business meeting to use them as a money grab. This causes Adam and Barbara to really start to die again, and Lydia offers herself to the awful Beetlejuice in payment to save her ghostly friends. Thankfully, they all work together, minus Otho, to fight back against Beetlejuice and send him back to the afterlife. The ghostly couple stays in their home and allows the humans to stay as well in a happy, simpatico, familial relationship. Ooh. And then you just get Lydia singing that song and floating in the air. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of when I think of Beetlejuice. And all the, <laughs> the football players dancing in the background. Yeah, yeah. All right, hit me with that trailer audio. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. You don't want his help. He's guaranteed to put some life. Attention, keyboard shoppers. In your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. I think Beetlejuice might have been in that trailer more than he was actually in the movie. <laughs> I was going to say, and now we don't have to watch the film. That was basically all of the iconic moments that you remember from seeing Beetlejuice as a kid. I mean, it was all the scenes with Beetlejuice in it. Mm-hmm. So you can watch the movie now for the other parts with the other characters in the, the movie. people that we like. Yeah, the people that we like. <laughs> Man, we're really burying the lead here. Um, it's it's not a secret. We don't like him. <laughs> I mean, that's my first thought. So it segues perfectly into our thought section. I'm actually surprised at this point that we haven't like branded our thought section. That is true. I'm just like discussion time. Discussion time. You know, the meat of this podcast. So you mentioned something uh, that the trailer really shows all of the moments of the movie that you remember as a kid, Mm -hmm. uh, which touches exactly on what my point is, is that. There is a stark difference between me watching this movie as a kid and me watching it now. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid and I didn't know any better, some historians have used the phrase pre-woke. <laughs> I, I thought Beetlejuice was the dang funniest. Oh, of course. Uh, he was just so quick-witted and he said words fast and he did silly things randomly like a cartoon character. Like grabbing women's asses. Yeah, which as a kid I was like, haha, that's just what comedy is, is objectifying women. I mean, I didn't have the <laughs> vocabulary of that. I was just, ha. Yes, you <laughs> laugh along because that's the implied tone. Exactly, it's just, ha. Now watching it, it's it's night and day. Like I, I don't understand how this was the way it was. Yeah. Like I understand that Beetlejuice is supposed to be like a corrupt ghost, and he's supposed to be the villain. Yeah, and he does come across that way. But I do see what you're saying here about how he is the villain of this film. Or of the story, but he's the hero of the film. Yeah, he's basically the protagonist a bit, but his own he's one note, and that note is sexual assault. Yeah. His comedy stylings aren't even like wacky, um, like genie from Aladdin, where he's Oh, just, I love that. Such a contrast. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, ah, Johnny Carson reference. Ha ha blah 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 blah. Uh, it's my top-notch Robin Williams impression. But, like, Beetlejuice's only note is grab your ass, look up your skirt, kiss you when you don't want to be kissed, uh, marry you 
out of uh, your own volition. Like he references um, Exorcist as his inspiration. Yeah. But fucking Exorcist had more notes than this. Totally. So it's just like, I don't know. As a kid, I was like, haha, Tim Burton, silly. In this one, I'm like, man, you could cut Beetlejuice from this movie and I would not. I would not hate it. I mean, the story itself is very interesting. It would be more of a drama, but like, or like a dramedy with, I think they could still have like wacky, funny ghost times. Yeah. But uh, I definitely agree that I don't like Beetlejuice. I have a big point about him that uh, has not been explored yet. I'm going to hold on to it for my (laughs) thoughts. I mean, they could always do like make Beetlejuice more evil. Like we've we've been watching a lot of like Insidious and Sinister and The Conjuring now because we're yep. getting my mom to watch them, <laughs> which uh, by the way is great. <laughs> it's very good. She I'm sure she's seen half of the movies because she spends so much time hidden behind a blanket. Yeah, but like pumping up Beetlejuice as like June is like you don't want his help. Like he's not the one you want to go to. Have like his facade be like this quirky like car dealer salesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then the moment you unleash him, he basically is like, ha you guys fell for it. I'm actually a demon that's going to steal your souls and shit. Yeah, which does happen. But the film still treats it as a joke. That's yeah. what I need to change. Like he needs to like become a full on demon when they unleash him. Yeah. Because it's like even after they say his name three times, he still sort of just pops up in a carnival outfit. I my my biggest takeaway from that is how blind you are as a kid to just these this shit happening, especially with nobody telling you that it's bad. And that's like this is a kid's movie. They take out a lot of like there aren't any real horror elements that are scary, you know, yeah. a lot. Even when he's being his scariest, we don't see it as an audience. We just see people reacting to him being scary. Mm-hmm. And it's just teaching kids that this is OK. And that's why this cycle keeps happening. Yeah. Like, look how. Look how quirky and interesting this Beetlejuice character is. You should emulate him. And then all the things that you're emulating are shitty sexual assault things. Yeah. Uh, But I will go into my second point. Whoa. Specifically about the dinner scene in Beetlejuice. Which was fucking the best scene. Yeah. It holds up. It's that scene and Lydia dancing at the end of the movie that are the most iconic scenes. Yeah. But I wanted to mention specifically that the only time I've ever watched Rocky Horror in theaters was actually a special April Fool's version. Um, so they mentioned beforehand that this came all the way from New York and there's only this one version of this movie. And other than the occasional like cutting to a Family Guy gag for some reason, they actually wholesale cut out the dinner scene from Rocky Horror because it's kind of boring <laughs> and replaced it with the dinner scene from. Uh, Beetlejuice. I mean, talk about bad movies in regards to representation. That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, that's a whole that's uh, yeah, we would have to have an entire episode (laughs) about like a a culture claiming something that's toxic against them yeah. as their own thing. So It's fine to reclaim it, though. I do like that. We'll, but we'll talk about Rocky Horror maybe in the future. <laughs> maybe at some point. But you're right that their, their dinner scene is very lackluster. So I think it's hilarious and awesome that they swapped it out for this. Uh-huh. And I also want to know why Alan and Barbara thought that would scare them. Because they were being controlled. But in a fun way. They got grabbed by giant, like, lobster hands. Yeah, yeah. The the shrimp at the end, they should have just led with that. And that should have been it. Yeah. But they, like, have this whole fun choreographed dance that they have everyone do. (laughs) Everyone. I love Everyone gets involved. Yeah. It, that, uh, Alan, Barbara, you need to work on that. But they're so wholesome. It just shows how cute they are. Yeah. Their first attempt was the classic sheet gag. They're not good at being spooky. I mean, the sheet gag worked with Michael Myers, though. Yes. Well, she didn't even know it was him. Yeah. So I don't know. Very scary. That was probably what they were referencing, right? I think they were just being little ghosts. (laughs) Little ghosties. Those were $300 sheets, though. That's the real horror because they cut holes in both of them. Yeah. That's it. I just wanted to mention that anecdote about <laughs> how I watched uh, Rocky Horror. <laughs> My third point Whoa. is that 
Okay, so you said that this movie isn't scary, right? Yes. Like, it is still wacky. All the ghosts are kind of, like, campy figurines It is stuff. a Halloween movie for sure, though. But yeah, yeah it's not, like, supposed to it, scare you, I don't think. The the, the monsters are scary to the gre- degree that, like, Halloween town monsters are scary. Whoa! Man, that's something we could watch. <laughs> so many movies, so little time! But as an adult, I found one moment of this movie to be like existentially terrifying. Ooh. So the afterlife building, when they go to like get help from their caseworker and stuff like that. Yeah. The like dead people and the bureaucrats aren't that scary. Like the people hanging is fundamentally terrifying. That and they just they're transported via their method of death. Yeah, that's that's upsetting. Yeah, true. But it kind of still reminds me of like Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. But for me, it's the casualness in which they just walk through a door and are three months in the future in their home. That presentation of just like as a dead person, you're now missing just chunks Chunks of time. Yeah. Chunks of life is so fucking just sad and depressing for me. Yeah. Um, Without putting too much spoiler into it, we watched Bly Manor recently. And I mean, that's based on uh, Turn of the Screw, which already is sad but Bly Manor does this thing where like leaving Bly Manor's presentation of ghosts I was existentially sad and then it just this added on to that for you yeah because it like I could easily translate that into this fun quirky Halloween movie of like oh my god they're actually dead because they can just drift in and out of time now and we'll miss like large chunks of existence totally also side note Kate Siegel and Mike Flanagan Come on our show. <laughs> Everyone tweet at them. If we all do it, they'll totally not be annoyed and we'll come. Yeah, you need to. <laughs> it's like when you get uh, invited to a con, other people have to recommend you. Ah, yeah, that's how that works. Exactly. I feel that, though, the existential dread. And it was like a shock. They didn't even know that. They don't even remember what they were doing themselves as the dead people in that chunk of time. Yeah. They were like, how long were we waiting? And it, and then their case worker pops up and it's like three months. Yeah. And when they died, they also didn't even realize like getting back to their home. Yeah. And I guess it's like ghosts in this regard are kind of a metaphor for like um, Alzheimer's, which mm. in itself, as you age, becomes more and more of an actual possible horror. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just unlocking this fear of Alzheimer's that I wasn't aware of. Oof. Don't worry. I'll remember for the both of us. <laughs> It'll be a fun little surprise every time <laughs> something happens. I can get you the same gift every year. Oh, man. You just do uh, 50 first dates over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it's not like there's going to be a kid that you have to introduce me to every morning you'll just love buddy all the time anyway yeah exactly Um, buddy will still be alive when we're old enough to have alzheimer's i mean you can just (laughs) trick me and get a different (laughs) but yeah i I don't know i I found this like one little piece of this funny quirky movie to actually be like terrifying when you think about it Hmm. and finally i want to mention about the actual production of the movie whoa and not just my fears My fears and realizations. What are you going to talk about? The costumes? No. I mean, the costumes were good. I wanted to specifically talk about the set design Ah. of the miniature area. Well, the whole opening credits was super cool. Yeah. And I remember for some reason I was afraid of the miniatures as a kid. So was I. It's so weird. I don't like... Why is that? I don't know. Um, children are weird. Our brains don't work right. Is it like our? <laughs> it's like we're trying to like process the uncanny valley of like this kind of looks real. Yeah, there's something just unsettling about it, which I think is literal for adults as well. Watching it, I don't know. I'm not too sure, but specifically the the uh, the set design of the miniatures area when they are in it like when Beetlejuice is hanging around the props and stuff that Adam had or Alan had made yeah I think uh, his name is Adam Adam Alan Ad- the husband yeah yeah Adam okay I was just thinking of the scene from Jurassic Park when the raptor says Alan just <laughs> my favorite part of any Jurassic Park <laughs> I think you've referenced it before on the show <laughs> <sighs> anyways the the level of detail in the props in that zone that make it look like it's made of the material that you would actually make miniatures out of 
to me is still incredibly impressive. Yeah, it was very cool. And like seeing the grass up close being like foam beds. Yeah. Was cool. And like when they dig up Beetlejuice and you see like the layers of what goes into making the base of the model was cool. Mm-hmm. And there's that weird like shitty mattress foam. Yeah, stuff that's in what it. I mean. Yeah. And then um, like. Yeah, I had the- one of those <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> all the like buildings had to be human sized, but they still were proportioned and kind of painted to look like they were miniatures that were zoomed in. Uh, even the truck that Beetlejuice crashes, everything just looked really nice. And I, I was just still super impressed about how like good that all looked. Totally. Yeah. And it was very whimsy. Mm-hmm. And I the liked. room they filmed it in made the background just look really dark and out of focus. Yep. Which makes sense because that would be how everything is to them. Yeah. That's it. That's my point. I of this of Beetlejuice, the famous 1988 movie. Those are the four things that I thought to talk about the most. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts. It's time for whispers from beyond. Whoa, spooky! I'm scared now. Oh my goodness. This is the chance that we have to highlight our listeners and uh, friends and folks who help us promote the show. It's a free way to help us out, which we love when you give us reviews or uh, tag us on social media. And this week, we wanted to thank Ardent Ash, who wrote us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. They wrote, this podcast is for you. Yes, you. Me? Are you like me and love the idea of horror movies but are too afraid to watch them yourself? Do you find the plots of horror movies incredibly <laughs> interesting but are almost certain nothing could be more terrifying in real life than jump scares in a movie? In contrast, do you love queer and feminist representation and think it should be in absolutely everything? Yes. And have a deep appreciation for creative cocktails and individuals who can drink them admirably fast? <laughs> what? <laughs> then like me, you have found the perfect podcast. I absolutely love listening to all the facts, opinions, and perspectives about these horror movies. I get to appreciate the movies without having to be scared out of my mind. It's the perfect scenario. Plus, I am personally beyond grateful for the queer and feminist representation. Oh, awesome. Yeah. As a queer person, it makes such a huge impact on me. It's funny, interesting, chilling, and heartwarming. What more could you ask for? Woo! Well, now I'm crying. I didn't think of all the things that anyone would praise me for in my life. My ability to drink cocktails quickly would be one of them. (laughs) And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Arden Ash, for your amazing review. That is so, so awesome. You made us laugh and you made me tear up. Uh, I'm really glad that you love the show. Yes. Thank you very much. We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. First of all, I wanted to remind everyone again to please vote for us. We're a finalist in the 2020 Discover Pods Awards this year. You can go, there's a link in the show notes to vote for drinking and screaming in the People's Choice category. You can find us or you can find the awards if you just search Discover Pods Awards. We really want to win. We almost won last year, but we failed. Please help us by voting for drinking and screaming in the People's Choice category. Special shout out to Mad Lab Distilling, who provided us with their amazing collection of spirits and bitters to use in our cocktail this season. This week, we used their absinthe bitters and their premium vodka. That vet, that's it, that vodka there, eh? That vodka there. And this is a very good drink. I'm always a fan. Whenever we use their products, we know that it's going to be quality. And it just makes our cocktail experience that much better. So thanks, Mad Lab Distilling. Thank you. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Evil Amy's Terror Shop, who provided us with some amazing goodies to talk about on our episodes. Today, I wanted to shout out their Black Skull Leather Makeup Bag. It's made of artificial leather, so you don't have to worry about killing any animals to enjoy your makeup bag. It's black, so it goes with everything, but it's also subtly spooky because there are skulls. You can buy their products. They ship globally at evilamysterrorshop.com. 
A lot of things have been going wrong lately in our move across the province, but thankfully we have Liz's horror candles to keep our noses happy and full of great smells. We're waiting on the latest shipment of new scents, but I can let you know that they're called the Final Girl and the Jersey Devil. Go to horrorcandles.com and use the code DRINKSCREAM10 for 10% off your first purchase of three or more candles. We, uh, we lit a bunch of them in our RV that is very tight and gets really stinky. <laughs> and they've done a really good job of keeping everything fresh and smelling great. And scary. And scary. <laughs> and they're not made of petroleum. Uh, so they are great for our little, our little kitty buddy who's really been a trooper in this move. Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream. On Facebook at drink and scream. You can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. And if you want a Discord, we currently are separating from the Super Hopped Up Discord. We just feel like we love them, of course. We're actively participating in all of their lovely projects. But I think that the cohesiveness of Drinking and Screaming and Super Hopped Up isn't really gelling. So until that time, we won't have a Discord ourselves. Eventually, maybe if there any arises, we'll create one. But for now, just follow us on social media. Back to the episode. Back to the episode. Back to the episode. Spooky. <laughs> All right. Actually, before you get into your points, do you mind if I make a quick statement? Yeah. This might be for just the people that have seen Sinister, but the drink now looks like the poison that Bagul uses to um, knock out all of the family members. <gasps> totally. The green color is perfect. It just needs to glow. So when I do... Oh, can you make a drink glow without also killing the person who drinks it? There has to be a way to do it. All right. That's my goal for when we do Sinister. Actually, I have... This is just story time. I did a bad thing, folks. One time uh, we went to a certain tiki bar in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. On my birthday. And they have a secret menu there. I can't believe I'm admitting to a crime. Um, <laughs> and one of the secret menu drinks, which you can't even ask for by name, uh, you get this like nice big bowl and it comes with a flower on it and it glows. And I was like, wow, how is it glowing? Well, turns out it was glowing from a plastic ice cube inside. <laughs> and if you push the button on the ice cube, it changes color. And then eventually it can like go through all the colors in rotating fashion. And it was very cool. And then at the end of the night, I was like, I want this ice cube. And then I took it. <laughs> I was bad. But now we have a glowing ice cube for when you want to make drinks glow, Kelly. That's perfect. Also, I <laughs> forgot something else. Oh, God. What is it? My mom had a review for us. Oh, yes. And I this isn't she she just told me this. So it's not anywhere to help our SEO. So she doesn't get into the previous segment. We're just okay. going to put her on blast. But you can tell everybody about it now. <laughs> uh, so aforementioned, we have been watching the Sinisters and Insidiouses and soon to be The Conjuring with my mom. Uh, and she listened to our episode of Insidious before watching the first episode or the first movie. Um, and her feedback to us about the podcast is that we suck. And that we are liars. And that we're liars. <laughs> and that we made the movie sound funny and not scary. And we didn't emphasize how terrifying the actual movie was. Yes. So uh, we apologize <laughs> to anybody who went into Insidious thinking that it would be a, an upbeat romp with a hot guy, bad dad. Even though that's what it is. And instead was <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, that's it. That's good. I'm glad that we fit that in. <laughs> <laughs> My discussion, I want to start off by commenting. We sort of touched on it a little bit, but like how iconic this movie is there. Beetlejuice is something that like every Halloween party you go to, there's basically going to be a reference to it, either from someone wearing a costume or a decor, or it'll be on the TV that people are watching. I mean, you literally DM'd a Halloween D&D session where someone dressed up as a bet Goose. Yeah. Shout out to Tabletop Titties. Go listen to my podcast about queer and feminist Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but yeah, we there are so many memorable outfits in Beetlejuice, but it's unfortunate that most of them are of the asshole himself. Because, like, there's the typical pinstripe outfit, the carousel hat that he wears with the long arms that unfold, the burgundy wedding outfit. You see a lot of these in pop culture and, like, in costumes on Halloween. But I find that so weird because the character isn't good. Yeah. The character is awful. <laughs> and... Uh, 
I don't mean that as like, oh, you can dress up as a villain and like he's the villain and you feel cool. It just feels like sad to me. I mean, there's there's that meme of like people that are idolized, but didn't get they didn't get the point or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean, like idolized without understanding the point. And yeah. It's like the guy from Fight Club and jo- Joker, etc. Yeah, totally. And I feel like that's the case here as well. But also you do have to s- separate like just appreciating the design, like how you said that you really love the miniature work and the set work and the props that were created. Like the costumes in this film are amazing. They are very visually striking. And if you don't watch a movie actively by like feel like this podcast has kind of ruined movies for me sometimes because it's <laughs> hard to not even when it's not for the show for me to have my brain turned on and be analyzing as we go. I mean, you took like film classes and acting. I feel like movies were never going to be the same for you. <laughs> yeah, but it's also I just I want to be able to watch Beetlejuice and it be fun. Like, I was excited to watch it. I knew it would be problematic, but I hadn't seen it for a while. And then watching it again, I was like, oh, God. But I don't think you should feel bad that you're made uncomfortable by uncomfortable jokes. Yeah. Like, there's 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 nothing to be lost by you being aware that what you're watching is making you uncomfortable. You're just more aware of it. Yeah, that's true. And then just to wrap up this point, I wanted to say that people should dress up from the other cool characters in this movie (laughs) because I think having like the scary Adam and Barbara when they have their faces like warped I would wear that that would be a cute couple's costume we'd have to like make a mask and it would be very hard but that would be awesome I mean even like goth Lydia would be pretty cool yeah or her wedding outfit although that is a very sad part of the film also (laughs) but that was very interesting and she would be recognizable Lydia with like that big black hat and the like spiky bangs that she has. Yeah, totally. But yeah, this point not to like keep going a little bit, but it does make me, hmm. I have become more aware when people idolize a character that is in their core problematic, like everybody talking about like pyramid head from silent Hill. Mm hmm. Literally, his introduction is him sexually assaulting one of the other monsters. And and then everybody's like calling him daddy and making like costumes about him and like over sexualizing him and stuff like that, which is extremely uncomfortable. And I understand like his design is cool, but it's I don't know. It's not cool. It's not cool to idolize shitty people. Yeah, I want it's hard because I do want to appreciate People like craftsmanship and uh, just visual design is amazing. But I don't know. There can be bad characters, uh, but I think it's more how those characters are treated overall. Like, I don't need them to receive their comeuppance in the film, but I do need them to be treated or like shown as the villain that they are. Yeah. And I guess like he is referred to as the villain, like everyone treats him as the bad guy. And but that's the thing. It's like in the story, but not in the movie. He's like, the hero. People. Yeah. People see his costume and like the way that Michael Keaton acts and it does make him seem cool. But also like, I don't know. People want to be him. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, we could talk about this for hours. I so. need to look up Tim Burton. I don't know if Tim Burton has done. Is He's still OK, right? As I have not heard anything bad. So it's like you. It's this it's like with J.K. Rowling, like I've now hit the point where I'm not going to buy anything that will give money to J.K. Rowling because the creator of the content is an awful person. Yeah. In this situation, it's like the reverse. It's like the content itself is problematic, but the person who made it probably made it with the intention of putting a glass. uh, What is it? Magnifying glass to it. Yeah. Or a mirror to it and yeah. being like, Beetlejuice is bad. Just because you liked him doesn't necessarily mean he's not bad. And it did come out in a, in a different time. This was from the 80s, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Almost 30 years ago. Jesus. So I don't feel bad about giving Tim Burton money because I think he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. J.K. Rowling can get fucked. <laughs> I also, this is kind of, man, I'm all depressing. I hope people don't listen to this show and be sad that uh, we're shitting on this movie. Because if you like this movie, it's fine. But I also wanted to point out, <laughs> just, it's fine. But here's another bad thing. Talking about the reception room when they're like in the afterlife and waiting. We see a lot of cool costumes, but there's 
a lot of really problematic things. Yeah, several problematic things. And Not just the one that I know you're about to say. Yeah, so there's a few, but I wanted to specifically point out, like, there are barely any people of color in this film. And the only ones that we do see... Almost all the ones that we do see are very, very badly stereotyped. Like specifically what I want to talk about is Miss Argentina, who was the green skinned receptionist with the pink hair. Yeah. And that costume is dark. Yeah. Because, well, it's also like the otherizing of POCs. Like all the other dead people were there that are there died from they look like how they died. And she has slit her wrists and that was her cause of death. But then why is her skin green? Yeah, she wasn't in a costume as far as I know when she died. Yeah. So I don't know. That was just weird to me. And I also have never heard that people who commit suicide become civil servants in the afterlife. I wasn't sure if that was like lore from the film or if that was like an ongoing joke of the time. I think it was just to be dark because specifically when Adam picks up like the hand, the guidebook to being dead. Yeah. He's like, there's no mention of heaven or hell in this whole book. So I think like they were just creating their own version of afterlife. So I guess killing yourself makes you a civil servant in the afterlife. It was weird. But then, yeah. And then there's also this like guy with a shrunken head. And then there's some sort of fetishized exotic warrior. And they're like, oh, did you shrink his head? Ha ha ha. Oh, yeah. There's like, yeah, the three people of color in this movie, because you that's how many there are, uh, <laughs> is Miss Argentina, who killed herself and has green skin. Uh, the one black dude who's a tribal witch doctor stereotype who shrinks everyone's heads. And the one Asian lady who's at the dinner party. Yeah. Uh, who makes the uh, homophobic joke during the di dinner party. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, so there is zero good representation uh, for people of color in this movie. Yeah, which is just too bad. And it's a known thing. Like, I know that the McElroy's kind of got put on blast for this of about um, making taco blue skinned in the graphic novels, which has since come out that it, obviously they didn't do it on purpose. But like this idea of otherizing people who are different, either because of their religion, which was the case in that one, or um, because of their skin color. It's just so, ah, stop yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, again, it's 88. So hopefully people have since started stopping it. Yeah. And then I want to end my discussion points on a positive note, Yay! which is Barbara. Positive. I love her. <laughs> so first of all, Gina Davis is amazing. I still have not seen uh, Thelma and Louise, but I do love her in Stuart Little, <laughs> I love her <laughs> in Beetlejuice. And she has a really, really great guest star arc on Grey's Anatomy, one of the like mid seasons. She's an amazing woman and I love her. She's also in a league of their own. Well, there we go. Of There's course. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and she plays Barbara in this film and Barbara is so great. She endures Beetlejuice's abuse right in front of her husband who doesn't defend her, by the way, which I thought was weird. Real gym move right there. Uh, yeah. And she does fight back herself. She fights back against him and she's one of the, she is the one person that ultimately kills him using his worst enemy, the sandworms. And she like starts out so clueless about the afterlife and how she's able to move on in this next stage of her quote unquote life. But she manages over the course of the film to find her footing and really thrive there. Plus, she gets uh, to have a daughter in Lydia and she gets to skip all the uh, all the crap of having a baby, you know? Yeah. That was like her super objective, too, was to have kids. A, a yeah, kid. yeah, totally. They don't talk about it too much, but it's heavily hinted at the beginning of the film. Oh, yeah. When basically her like real estate friend who's trying to push a bunch of uh, sellers on their house is like, well, it's not like you have a family. You don't have kids running around. This house is too big. Yeah, it's too big for you. Yeah, I hated her. Yeah. <laughs> she was the worst. But I really love Barbara and she was super supportive. Like Lydia's parents treat her like trash. They don't take time to understand her at all. So it was amazing for Lydia. Like Lydia thrives once the ghosts and her family are cohabitating in this house. Like she's getting really good grades. She gets an A in math. Woo! She gets a C in science because she didn't want to kill a frog. And I mean, who does? Yeah. In my school, they let us uh, decide if we didn't want to or not. Uh, we dissected cow eyeballs. Okay. I don't think we ever dissected anything bigger than that. We did like dig through owl poop once. <laughs> I've done that. Yep. Totally done that. 
And that's it for my discussion. Nice. I agree. I'm also confused because the parents of Lydia still live in the house, right? Yeah, they didn't adopt her. They so, just are all living together and are definitely her better parents than her real parents. Then what are, <laughs> like, are her parents just, like, is Dahlia just cool now? Like, I guess. Is she like, well, since my daughter's being taken care of, I guess I don't have to surround myself with my art anymore? Well, I still feel like there was that whimsiness there. And I mean, you can't shit a woman for trying to thrive and express herself. Oh, no. I am I just think she was put in a bad situation because clearly she had, she needed to express herself through that and she was forced into a situation where she couldn't. And nobody even wanted to be there except the dad. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a whole other can of worms. Yes. That, I mean, and like that, everybody seemed to just not want to be in the relationship that they, they were in except for the Maitlands. Yeah. Like, the they dad would have been happy by himself in a cottage. A cottage. A cottage, uh, reading his magazines and smoking cigars. The mom wanted to be off on the art tour doing her thing. And Lydia just wanted to hang out with her ghost family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the ending of Matilda, actually. Oh, yeah. Man, that's a good film, too. It's mm-hmm. kind of halloween Maybe I'll watch that later. <laughs> Not for the podcast. Just for me. <laughs> it's time to open the Reconomicon. Kind of surprised you with that one. It was like a jump scare. Yeah. Oh, boy. My recommendation is Dune from 1984. Ah. And you, Char, might be asking yourself, that's nothing to do with Beetlejuice, right? What the heck? You'd be wrong because <gasps> there are sandworms in Dune. Ah. <laughs> and it's also pretty spooky, but also Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin's super hot in it, which is why <laughs> I like it. That seems to be a running theme of why you like movies. Yeah, because Kyle <laughs> McLaughlin's the best. I have not seen Dune. Uh, I did see a trailer for the new one that's supposed to be coming out soon. And everyone's hot in it. Well, there we go. Except there's Jason Momoa, who's bad. He's I bad. hate Jason Momoa because he asked my partner if it was okay to cuddle me instead of me. Also, when he was on that like press tour for uh, Game of Thrones and he was asked what he liked about his character, it was that he just got to force women to have sex with him and then he <sighs> laughed and everyone was awkward. Um, My recommendation is <laughs> Edward Scissorhands from 1990. It's been a while since I've seen it. So um, again, I think I'll be more woke about the problematic things in it. I do want to say there is a content warning of sexual assault in there, but the whimsiness of it is super thrilling. I love that. Uh, it's Tim Burton too with the Winona Ryder, of course, the Winona Ryder. And everyone's favorite music boy, Danny Elfman. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah. Edward Scissorhands, folks. Yeah, it's a good one. It's been a while since I've seen that. I would watch that again. We definitely would. will do it for the podcast eventually. It's time for the... Da-da-da! Scaredy Facts! I did the Scaredy Facts for this one. Oh, jeez! And for those of you not in the know, this section of our podcast is a reflection of Shar and I's relationship, where after a spooky, scary movie, we'll crawl up in bed... Open up IMDb and check out those trivia facts to just make it seem like a movie and not scary. Of course. Also, my mom now demands at least one scaredy fact from each of these spooky movies that we've been watching <laughs> for, with her. I like that, though. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Starting with the budget, it was a total of $15 million. That makes sense because there was so much detail and they had like animation, they had in-depth costumes like the set the miniature set alone of creating the miniature itself and then also recreating a life-size miniature must have been astounding i don't have a fact on it but the special effects budget was only one million dollars uh which is why so many things are stop motion oh okay the opening weekend in the states was only eight million i mean that's like basically half Yeah. Over half. Which is bad. Yeah. I mean, opening weekend. I guess Tim Burton was kind of not huge yet. Plus, it came out in March. Uh, It's not the spooky month. I mean, (laughs) this year it was. The cumulative worldwide gross was $74.3 million. There we go. From all the Hot Topic sales and the (laughs) costumes and the DVD Blu-ray box sets. Um, And the rest of the box office. Yeah, all that box office. Yeah. All right, you ready for some little trivia factoids? so ready for these scaredy facts. This one's depressing when you really think about it. Oh. Michael Keaton ad-libbed 90% of his lines. 
So all of those bad, oh. all those bad jokes were all Michael Keaton. Yay! I mean, that was the point, though. He was the com- comedian that they gave the starring I role guess. to. Like, but was his? I hope. I don't know. I don't know how Michael Keaton is. I haven't looked up him in a while. But I hope that the direction for him was be a sexy pervo. Yeah, totally. And then roll with it. And he's yeah. like, all right. Um, yeah. But uh, yep, that's oof. Starting a, off so happy, guys. <laughs> there was a whole list of people that were going to play the role of Beetlejuice. And the best one that I saw was Arnie. <laughs> Tim Burton wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Beetlejuice. I had to drink in my mouth so I couldn't actively <laughs> exclaim, but oh my God. But the uh, production company thought that because of his all of his action roles, that he would not be great for it. Oh my God. What a different movie. Can we remake this and have old Arnie do it? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it would be so good. You have to say my name. Look <laughs> behind you. Look behind you. <laughs> Learn to throw your voice. It's fun at parties. It's fool your friends. <laughs> My name is Lydia and I want to get married. <laughs> uh, in the waiting room at the end of the film, the bottom half of the magician's assistant that Beetlejuice gropes yep. was played by Tim Burton's then girlfriend. Ooh. Yeah. That's kind of neat. She had some very nice legs. Uh-huh. Uh, this one is adorable and I love it. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, who plays the mom, yes. met her future husband, production designer Bo Welsh, while making this film. Oh. According to Welsh, Tim Burton said he should ask her out at the end of the filming. And Bo said, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that I was even supposed to talk to actors since Tom, Tim told me to. I did. And then we dated and we're married. And here we are today. Oh, that's so nice. I like that. Just the entire production. You're like, I didn't talk to her once because I was not sure if we were allowed to. But also, I like you. And then Tim was like, hey, you, should, you guys should get together. That'd be cute. Catherine O'Hara is great. She always ends up playing the bad moms because she's in like Home Alone with the, as a bad mom. And she's Shit's Creek. Have you seen Shit's Creek? Oh, man. Running joke. Apparently, Shit's Creek is amazing. Everybody tells us to watch it. Everyone in my family is like, hey, have you seen Shit's Creek? <laughs> Which is great. I will watch it eventually. I just don't have time right now. It is over now. So yeah. it'd be easier. And then she plays the mom in Penelope, and she's also a funny, whimsy, but also kind of a bitch mom in that, too. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. This next point I added because it's sad, funny. Oh, boy. So Beetlejuice is headed to Broadway March 2019. Yeah. After pre-Broadway at the National Theater in Washington, D.C., starting mid-October 2018. So tell me about this one, Shar. Well, this is sad because I haven't actually listened to the album and it's people are in the musical theater community are either like super pro Beetlejuice or super anti Beetlejuice. But really what comes down to you is that it's canceled. It got canceled like it got delayed because of COVID. But then now it's been so long, like Broadway is shut down and they've just they've closed it and it's not going to come back. No, which is depressing. That sucks. So someone needs to update this fact, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although the character's true name is Betlagis. Uh, that's not how you pronounce it. It's just spelled like that. Yeah. Uh, it was spelled Beetlejuice in the title because, A, it's funnier, and also it markets better than Betlagis. I mean, you also need to be able to say it, like read it and say it. Yeah. And if it's like Otherwise a you get like movie, then. The Hermione thing where people don't know how to say Hermione. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> a doll of Lydia appears in Caroline. In Caroline. In Caroline. Which movie is that? In, the one with the the they've got button eyes and her parents are Caroline. Sure. Oh, is this I wrote a typo. No, I wrote Caroline because I copied this from somewhere else. Oh, okay. Yes, in Coraline. Wow, that's cool. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but uh, interesting. I totally believe that. It's ironic that that came after you said you have to be able to pronounce the title. <laughs> I pronounced the title wrong. <laughs> So during the scene in the graveyard after the Maitlands leave Beetlejuice and he gets mad, he kicks a tree and says, uh, nice fucking model, honk honk. <laughs> Apparently that tree was not supposed to fall and the oh. set designer fucked up. And so when Michael Keaton kicked it and it fell down, he said he ad libbed that line and Burton liked the blooper so much that he left it in. Oh, that's amazing. That's good. That's a way to keep a shot. Uh, like to make a shot that fucks up still be usable. Yeah. Like when Aragorn kicks the helmet and breaks his toe and then screams because he's lost the hobbits. Ah, yeah. It's also funny because then they would have had to have filmed the scene of 
Adam trying to fix the tree again to match the blooper. Yeah, but he does do that. He does pick it up. Yeah, it's cool. And I've got two more. (gasps) First one is the skeleton head on the top of Beetlejuice's merry-go-round looks remarkably like Jack Skellington. Of course. Yep. But this came out before Jack Skellington. Um, Tim Burton had actually been drawing that character since like 1982. And he liked the character so much that he came up with that he made a movie about him. Ah, that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Or he just included him in a movie that he was working on. And like Nightmare Before Christmas comes out a while later, actually, now that you mention it, right? Mm-hmm. 93. Holy crap. Like a decade later, or well, five years later from when this came out. A wow. 2020 decade later. <laughs> and finally. Is it a gun fact? No, it's a car fact. There's Yay! no, there's no there guns were, in this there movie. There are no guns in this movie. Yeah. The Maitland's car is a 1977 Volvo 245DL. Oh my, I know what that is totally. (laughs) It's actually funny because at the time of shooting this movie, that was rated the safest car in America and nobody had gotten in an accident with one. Oh God. Uh, So it was a running (laughs) joke that they had the most reliable, safe car and still managed to die. She wanted to save that dog's life. Yeah. Exactly. Also, bad pet owner. Don't let your dogs just walk around. I mean, it's a small town. Everybody would know the dog. Still, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Don't do it. Spay and neuter your pets. Keep your kitties indoors. Yeah. Final thoughts? Uh, My final thought is that I think all of the stuff with the Dietzes and the Maitlands makes this movie incredibly good. I love the idea of a family moving into a haunted house, but the ghosts aren't just evil and they're just trying to like retain their quote unquote way of life. Totally. Yeah. But then the whole thing is marred when the titular character shows up. Yeah. Which is weird because the Dietzes are already antagonists. Totally. Yeah. Adding this like worse antagonists on top of the movie just kind of, I don't know. They're done in a way of, we didn't really talk about them that much, but they're done in a comedic way, but they're still vile. Yeah, exactly. And like shown to be vile in the film. Like that's the way I want it. Like, you can tell they all hate each other. Yeah. In, like, that fun heterosexual couple way. (laughs) Oh, marriage, ball and chain. Right? Man. But this is also, it just ties into my final thought of, like, this is a movie that you have to turn your brain off to enjoy. And it's interesting, I find, how it's such a huge pop culture phenomenon now. How it's one of those classic Halloween movies. You gotta just be in the right mindset or setting to enjoy it. Like, at a Halloween party, if it's playing in the back and people are like <laughs> watching it but not really paying attention that's ideal when you pop in the dvd blu-ray set of uh tim burton's greatest hits yeah well that's been beetlejuice a movie about beetlejuice beetlejuice <gasps> since we've dropped the ball a bit during our move across the province we're recording a bonus episode pew, 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 pew. Uh, that will be released on our normal feed so everyone can enjoy it this Halloween day. October 31st, we'll be watching Halloween 2 from 1981. Halloween as well? Yep, that's right. <laughs> and remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 